and um, were products of your sacrifices. Thank you so much. Wow. Have you been blessed already? We can share the grace around and go home. Man. Should preach. Father, we thank you. Oh my God. What a night. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the entrance of your word. Give it light and understanding to the simple. Thank you because light fills this room tonight. In the name of Jesus. Give me nimbleness of man and agile thought to the intent that your people are edified. The demons are terrified and you alone is glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Put your hands together. Celebrate Jesus. Every time I see this picture, it's like, Clarkson, go ahead. Go, go. Do it. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it. So last week we did Ephesus, but one. We call it the first installment, right? <laughs> so we're doing the second installment today, and it's going to bless you. I believe God strongly. Yeah. So um, are there kings of life in this house? Yeah. Uh, you remember, right? Yeah. So we established last, last time that the revelation of forgiveness made us kings of life, not king of boys. There's a, yeah, so there's king of boys, but there's kings of life. And so um, we said that um, for the kings of life, you don't need pedigree to be a king of life. You don't need to know um, Prince Charles or the Buckingham Palace. All you need to know is that you're forgiven. And the moment you receive the revelation of forgiveness, it makes you a king. So every time that you say, I'm eternally forgiven, you're activating kingship. Uh, you hearing what I'm saying? So we established that. And we said that Ephesus is what? Put that thing. Ephesus is a release from bondage or imprisonment. It is also forgiveness, the pardon for sins, letting them go as if they were never... Yeah. So we established that um, it is impossible to let sins go as though they were never committed, except somebody must be paying for that sin. Because you see, the subject of sin is a legal matter and must be treated legally. So the only way you can say that you are forgiven and granted pardon is that somebody else must have paid for your sins. So if nobody is paying for the sins, then you're going to be charged for that sin. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so what it becomes then is that Jesus becomes the aphesis of the man in Christ. Are you seeing that? So what it means also is this, that um, every time, oh God help me, Every time somebody goes caught free, somebody became a scapegoat. So Jesus is the scapegoat of the believer. John talking about it says, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. So the Lamb is the scapegoat of the believer. Why is it called scapegoat? The picture is this, that every time that they... Oh, I'm going ahead of myself. I'll bring that later to you. <laughs> Should I just share it now? Yeah. So what it means therefore is this, um, when sins are transferred in the Old Testament to the lamb or to the, um, the, the sacrificial, sometimes they are killed, some other times they are sent into the wilderness. That's a scapegoat. So it goes off. So carrying the sin of the man who brought it away. So that's the same way Jesus showed up as our scapegoat, carrying our sins away. So notice that when John saw him, John doesn't identify him as a fine boy. He identifies him by his purpose. 
sometimes people are looking at you like you don't look like it. No, it's about the calling because God doesn't call you by your sins. He calls you by your purpose in Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, Ephesus is not just, I'm forgiven. Mm-mm. No, it's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. Mama called my attention to something on Sunday. I think we should just begin from there. Very, very important. By the way, Sunday was explosive. Please. You know when, you know when people say things like, I can't preach, yo. I can't preach. Be very careful. Because bomb, uh, Jesus Christ. Misas were just flying. Shenema. You're coming down. But put your hands together for mama, please. Last Sunday was explosive. Thank you so much. Yeah. So our first is then, our first is then is that, be coming down, please. This church, God. Mama, see what I'm going through. Amen. So are we following so far? I need you to pay attention. So Ephesus then means that there's a scapegoat and then there is the man who goes scot-free. So sins cannot be said to have gone scot-free except somebody is paying for it. Do you see? So that's why grace is not free. It's not cheap. It is free. Why? Because somebody paid for it. So sometimes if you, if you notice, there are some people who do some kind of programs and they are sharing free food. The food is not free. So it was it's costing somebody something so that you can have it for free. Yeah. So 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 what happens is this you trivialize what what you receive because you don't know the cost that was paid for it. So what we try to do with the teaching of Ephesus is to give you the revelation of the cost. So because if you don't have the revelation of the cost, you can't put value on what you received. So that's why believers are acting like they didn't receive anything because they don't know what was paid for it. So if I see a Rolls Royce and I put a $10 million on it or 10 billion pounds on it, the cost of the Rolls Royce is determined by what I put. Likewise, the value. And how you treat it. So the value will tell me how to treat it. So when I know it was somebody that died, I will carry myself like that. So when he says, reckon you yourself dead, who did you die with is the question. And then who died for you? Because physically speaking, you did not die. But he says, reckon yourself dead. How? Somebody died. So the death of somebody is counted to you. Are you following? Likewise, the resurrection of somebody is counted to you. So there was never a time when you showed up and died and was buried and then rose. No, but by identification, you are receiving something somebody did. Are you getting that? That's Ephesus. So if you don't know the cost, you will trivialize the gift. Hey, Shephanas. If you don't know the cost, you will trivialize the gift. So the teaching is not to excite you, but to show you the cost. So when you bring a, a, a business deal or something proposal to someone, they're asking you, what's the cost implication? Because the cost implication will show you, should we continue or should we end this thing right here? But you see the beautiful thing about this, oh God, Jesus. The beautiful thing about this is this, God sent his son to die. He knew the cost implication, but he did not even care about your response. Because if he, if he cared about your response, he would most likely not send Jesus. 
So he wasn't checking your response. He was, listen, he was, he was giving from the place of who he is. So forgiveness of sins, affairs, oh my given knows the vana harsh this. The forgiveness of sins now is not just a forgiving you. The forgiveness of sin is who he is and what he did. Because if you stay with who he is and lose what he did, you've lost the cost. And if you lose the cost, you've lost the value. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And if you lose the value, you will live like you never received it. Yes, sir. You get in the picture now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, ah, God help me, Jesus. You're getting blessed already. Yes, so the point then is this. Um, back to what Mama was saying on Sunday. How, what's the basis for saying I'm forgiven? It's okay to say he died for me. But there, there has to be a basis for you saying I'm forgiven. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's a legal case. Someone did something, and then you say you are free. On what count are you free? On what basis are you free? Because, you see, if you can't defend what you received, you'll likely lose it. And the devil's temptation begins with deception about what you received. So he questions what you received, and if you don't know how you got it, you can't defend it, so you likely lose it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Can I say it again? So the devil comes with deception. The deception is to get you to lose what you received. But if you don't know the cost of what you received, you'll likely lose it. Are you seeing it now? So he's not just about making you sin. No. That's not the essence. The essence is to damper with your consciousness. Because sin doesn't really affect the believer as it were. It's the consciousness of sin that keeps the believer. So what the devil is doing is guilt tripping you. So when you lose that consciousness, the guilt tripping starts working. And that's why you show up like you never were forgiven. You do something very little that doesn't even look so big and you're acting like you killed somebody. Why? Because what the devil does is to magnify your flaws. But Jesus is coming to show what he did. So what he did is what counters what the devil is showing you. But you must keep the picture of what he did in front of you so you can counter what the devil is showing you. Uh, Am I running too fast? So what is the basis then for saying my sins are forgiven? How do you, how can you explain? What's the substantiation for my sins are forgiven? Are we together? So what you then see is this. When God, when scripture says that God forgave our sins, he wasn't saying he has forgiven you just like that. There were two things he was dealing with in that statement. Follow me carefully. He was dealing with sin nature and he was dealing with the law system. Uh, I don't know if you can take this tonight. See, my eyes are open. <laughs> yeah. He was dealing with sin nature and he was dealing with law system. I'll begin with one. So, sin nature then will be this. When he said you have received the forgiveness of sin. He wasn't dealing with the actions of sin. As it were. What he was doing was this. Because you see, Jesus help me. Can I do this a little? So, notice carefully, notice carefully that when Jesus was on earth, he did miracles. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. But sins were not forgiven. So, 
So before the cross, Jesus was dealing with symptoms. Because the only way to deal with nature was someone had to die first. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Remission of sins, there is not sin actions yet. It is nature. Are you seeing that? So the sin nature was what gave birth to the things you saw as sickness, diseases, death. So that's why forgiveness brings healing. That was part one, it's part two. Are you getting it now? So, Venus have a this. So, so, so what happens then is this. Oh, God. He couldn't deal with the sin nature because he was the one who was going to deal with it by his death. So, whilst he was still walking the streets of Galilee, at best, he could deal with the symptoms. So, when he says sins are forgiven, he wasn't saying your acts of sins. He was dealing with the nature. Because look at this. If sin nature is a root problem, forgiveness is the axe head. You hear what I'm saying? If sin nature is the root of the problem, forgiveness is the axe head. That's the cure. But you see, the axe head cannot show up until someone hangs on the cross. Because the cross is the wood with which you make the axe. Amen. So there was an axe head, but you needed the wood to get to the axe head so you can cut down. God help me tonight. So he wasn't dealing with sin actions. But you see, in the forgiveness of sins, whilst he's dealing with sin nature, he was granting pardon to sin actions. So for those who are in tech, forgiveness is duaco. The two processor. You follow what I'm saying? Go over it as con the Lord. Help me. Help me break this down. I'm trying to break it down so simply so you can understand. All right? Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, God help me. So, uh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. 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 So, so what you notice is this then, that when he says, I've forgiven you, or I've given you the forgiveness of sins, he's dealing with sin nature, not sin actions. Why is this important? Because you see, the nature produces the actions. So some of you, when you have headache, when you have malaria, you're taking paracetamol. You're dealing with symptoms. So after three days, the headache disappears. But you still have plasmodium. Malaria parasite. So what you should be taking is anti-malaria, not paracetamol. So Jesus was not dealing with sin action. He wasn't dealing with symptoms. He was dealing with sin nature. Why? Because, you see, when you deal with sin nature, you receive new nature. When you now receive new nature... 
you receive new want-tos. When you receive new want-tos, then you now have new conduct. So what he wanted to achieve was not to say, I've forgiven your sins. Because if he forgave just your acts of sins, the sin nature will produce more sins. So he wanted to get to the root of the problem. And that's why he said to you, if sin nature is a root, forgiveness is the axe head. And the cross is the wood that connects to the axe. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that? So he didn't want you to, ah, I'm always trying to get it. I've seen. No, no. Listen, he dealt with the sin nature. So in dealing with the sin nature, he brought forgiveness of sins. Are you seeing that? And so you can now say, I'm forgiven. Why? Because what he dealt with was what was going to produce sin. So now the believer can produce life. Life-giving spirit. Are you, are you seeing that? So as a matter of fact, the forgiveness of sin is not just a gift, it's a person. So when you receive Jesus, you receive the forgiveness of sins. Are you, are you seeing that now? Good. Good. Glory to God. Are you getting blessed? Are you getting blessed? So, so believers now struggle, Jesus. Believers struggle with, struggle with sin actions and sin nature when they don't know they don't have sin nature. Are you seeing the problem? Because you don't have sin nature, you have God nature. But you haven't seen conduct. The problem is revelation knowledge. Are you following what I'm saying? Because he says that if any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The word there is, if any man be in Christ, he has received new nature. All things are passed away. What passed away? Old nature. Are you getting it now? So when old nature passed away, new nature was now seated in the believer. So it can produce new conduct. Are you seeing that? Give me Romans chapter 6 verse um, Romans chapter 6 verse 1. Should we do living Bible? Should we do message? Let's do message for time. Now see. So what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving. He says, I should hope not. If we have left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old houses there? Are you seeing the thing? So, what you find here is this. The first layer here is talking about sin action. So, the problem was this. Paul had preached about grace. How that God's grace is magnanimous. It's everything. And this is rhetorical, by the way. Nobody was asking Paul this. He was asking himself. You know how that you're teaching and you can, you can see in your mind that someone might have this question. That was what happened here. So he had taught in verse 5, in chapter 5, about the grace of God and all of those things. And then he figured in his mind, somebody could be thinking, after all these grace things, so we should be sinning. So God can keep forgiving. Paul says no. The problem is not sinning. The issue is nature. So every time you're having a sin conduct problem, you don't respond from the action, you respond from the nature. Because the nature is now who you are. If a dog is not barking, you don't ask him why he's not barking. You check his nature. Is he really a dog? Are you, are you getting the picture now? So what Paul was saying here is, is, in his mind, should we keep on sinning so that God can keep on forgiving us? He says, no, the problem is not your act of sin. The problem is not is that you don't know you have moved. Become aware that you have moved. Because you lived in a nature 
where sin was dominant. So because you were in that nature, that nature could not produce acts of sin in you. He says, now you have come to the place where you have a new life. So this new life will produce the right living in you. So, but the problem is this, some people have left Egypt, but Egypt hasn't left them. Are you seeing that? So what happens is this, salvation brings you out of Egypt, renewing of the mind takes Egypt out of you. Salvation brings you out of Egypt, renewing of the mind takes Egypt out of you. Because they left Egypt, but they were still looking for cucumber. They came out, but the thing was still inside. Are you getting this? So it says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Salvation doesn't mean memory loss. So you can actually get born again if you were stupid before that time, you're just a stupid believer. What will fix your mindset is what you start taking in. Is the word. So what gets saved is your spirit, not your soul. The part of you that is now new is your spirit that is now joined with the Lord. It becomes one spirit. Now, but you see, that does not automatically affect your mind. So what happens is this. You can, oh my God. Transition formation, right? You're changing whilst you're moving. You're moving whilst you're changing. Uh, you're taking me somewhere. So, <laughs> and it's connected to this. So I'm just going to share. So let's just jump from here. I don't have all the time to go through this. Can, can I go through this? So, how can we still live in our old houses there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? Now, that is what happened in baptism when we went under the water. We left the old country of sin behind. This is sin nature. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace. A new life in a new land, new conduct. Are you seeing it? So, what changes your behavior is not trying to do it. It is understanding that you have moved. First. So, where I used to be, I'm no longer there. So, when you get into a new life, a new operation starts working. So, it's like you are changing the OS of your phone. When you change the OS of your phone from maybe, everything changes. The operation changes. So, what you realize is this. The programs that we are applicable to that old, old OS can no longer work on the new OS. So you start uninstalling and installing, upgrading. That's renewing the mind. So what you are doing, you're trying to make your mind catch up with what your spirit has become. So, so, so it, is when your, it is when your mind catches up with what your spirit has become that it starts showing up in your life. So, you know, God, I want to change. No, I want to change. No, study. As you see, in the mirror who you are hey should i do should i do this again because you see i've said this before nobody has seen their real face before nobody has seen their real face the mirror is the one that told you what you look at and you believed it so you woke up have you ever removed your head and say look at my face so you went to the mirror and looked the mirror said you are fine you believed it so what happens is this, the word of So what happens is this, what happens is this, when a van deskuni vanasketa, hey God help me, what happens is this, what happens is this, 
whilst the physical mirror is showing you who you are in the physical, the word of God is showing you who you are in the spirit. Yes, so, amen, the score. So when, uh, so, when I look at the physical mirror, I can adjust my eyebrow. But when I look at the spiritual mirror, I am transforming to who he is. Yeah. I'm becoming into the very image of the one I behold. Are you seeing that the mirror principle? Because the one you are seeing is what you look like in the spirit. So when you see that you are holy and spotless, you are what, what is what is wrong with this? You become it. You become. That's the principle that Jacob had when he puts the spotted stuff. So when they were made sin in front of the spot, they gave birth to spotted ones. What are you beholding? So as you keep your eyes on that thing, you become it. But you see, you must be consistent with it. You don't be old one day and go, 10 years later, you come back. You will not change. Are you, are you getting blessed already? You're getting blessed. So, so it is now knowing that, hey, I've moved. So this is the basis on which you can say, I am forgiven. Because what he dealt with was not sin action. What he dealt with was sin nature. But you see, he didn't stop at dealing with sin nature. He progressed with dealing with the law system. Why is this important? Because the law system is the system that makes sins accountable. Why? Because if there is no law, there's no sin. So he figured that if I make this guy a new creation and he's new, his sins will still be counted because there's a law. And if it's counted, it means he'll be punished for what my son died for. Uh, don't worry, it will sink in a minute. It will sink in a minute. Because you see, the only reason why a last man stops you on the road is that you broke a law. If the law is lifted, if you run red, nobody will stop you. Now, it doesn't mean running red is right. It just means there's nothing to indict you. It's no longer a punishable offense, but what? It's an offense. But it's not punishable. So what, what uh, Venus are these are? Uh, so how did he then take away the law system. Romans 10. Is it Romans 10 4? For Christ is the end of the law. There are two ways to read this. Christ is the end of the law means the law was pointing to Christ. Nobody say means to an end. The law was pointing to Christ. Another way to read it is Christ is the end, the fulfillment of the law. So what he did was, first of all, he dealt with sin nature so that he can start producing good actions, kept that aside, and then he went to fix the law system. Are you seeing this? My God. So he's fixing the law system. How? He's not asking the believer to fix it. He's fulfilling it by himself. Why? Because he will now bring the believer into himself. So that what he did can now count for the believer. So he fulfilled the law so that those who will come into him wouldn't have to fulfill the law. Are you seeing that? So what he then did was this. He says, I know that, Jesus Christ, I know that you were sin and all of that. So I've dealt with sin nature and I've made you holy. I've made you righteous. What I'm going to do is deal with the law system. So when I take out the law system, 
Oh God. What will happen is this. Now that you have received new nature and you are now being conformed by the transformation in your mind, nothing will be judged against you whilst you are still making some mistakes. Because you see, uh, if he didn't deal with that, the believer will still be judged. Now, it's on the premise of these two legs that you can say I'm eternally forgiven. Because now that I'm changed because I've received a new nature, there is no, there's no law system to hold me accountable. Uh, is this too heavy? Are we, are we making progress? Glory to God. Feel the anointing in this room already. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Someone say thank you, Jesus. Oh my God, thank you. How far have I thought? Let me see. Uh, so give me Romans 10 for in the, in the NLT. So for Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. So the law would no longer count against the believer. Are you seeing this now? Give me, give me this in uh, the Living Bible. They don't understand that Christ gives to those who trust in him everything they are trying to get by keeping his laws. He ends all of it. Are, are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? So it is on this basis then that 2 Corinthians 5.19 now says, NLT. 2 Corinthians 5.19. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Why? He had dealt with sin nature. He had also taken care of the law system. Are you seeing that? So there was no law system to count. It's the law that counts. God is in counting. Give me, give me this in AMPC or AMP. Now, that is... That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them, but what? Counseling them. Are you seeing now? He's counseling them. The issue is this. You don't understand what's happening here. Because what's happening here is this. God. Now, listen, please come. Uh, the spirit of people is upon me. So, so this is what's happening. God wants to reconcile man of God, can you be God, please? <laughs> uh, are you God? No? Mm, let me see. Very good. I used, I used to be God in all this. <laughs> so. You will love this. Stand here. So just, just give me back. So God wants to reconcile. God wants to reconcile Nelson back to himself. But God is in Christ doing the reconciliation. Are you seeing that? So you would imagine that he is standing behind him. Come, sir. So God wants to reconcile this guy back to himself, but he's going to do it through Jesus. So when he says he's reconciling him through Christ, it is not through the person of Christ, it is through the work of Christ. 
Are you seeing that? So what he's reconciling him through is the sacrifice, not the person. Because the guy who walked through Galilee could not reconcile people. He can only heal them. So the only way he could reconcile was to push him to the cross. Why is that important? Because he says he's not counting people's sin. So when God is trying to reconcile Nelson back to himself, he's not looking at Nelson, he's looking at Jesus. So because if he's looking at Nelson, he will see flaws. If he's looking at Nelson, he will see mistakes. And if there are mistakes, there can be reconciliation. Because in the gospel, reconciliation happens without computation. Because if there's computation, there's record of sin. And if there's record of sin, reconciliation can work. So what he did was to put this guy forward to take the punishment for sin so that he wouldn't have to count it on him. So now he can reconcile him back to himself. Why? He's not looking at Nelson, he's looking at Jesus. The problem is you've been looking at yourself. Stop looking at what God is not looking at. God is not looking at you, you are the one looking at you because every time you look at you, you see flaws. Every time, you, because you're a work in progress, Jesus is the finished work. You hear what I'm saying? You are the work in progress, Jesus is the finished work. So God is not looking at the work in progress, he's looking at the finished work. And because he's looking at the finished work, he cannot judge you for your sins. He cannot count your sins against you. Why? Because it was counted on somebody else. Are, are you getting the picture? Are you getting the picture? So that's what happened in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament now, uh, um, Nelson, Nelson will come to offer sacrifice for sin. And when he is coming, he will bring a lamb to the high priest. But when he comes to the high priest, the high priest is not looking at Nelson. He's looking at his lamb. Because if the lamb is clean, Nelson is clean. I don't care if he committed murder last night, he's clean. Hey, again, a master. I don't care what he did last night. I don't care what he did. I, I, see, there might be a record of all the criminal things, but he's looking at his sacrifice. He's not looking at the man. So, he, uh, so when the Bible says you are accepted in the beloved, it means you are accepted in the sacrifice. So acceptance then is not on the premise of your action, it's the premise of your sacrifice. Are you seeing that? So the same way, the same way that the believer, the same way that in the Old Testament, the man is accepted based on his sacrifice, the believer also is accepted on his sacrifice. So when you show up before God, is not looking at you, he's looking at Jesus. Are you seeing this clearly? Are you seeing? This is the premise for which you can say, I am forgiven. He's not looking at you. He's looking at your sacrifice. But you keep looking at yourself. Stop looking at yourself. Slap somebody say, stop looking at yourself. So if God is looking at your sacrifice, you should be looking at your sacrifice. Looking onto Jesus. Because that's where God is looking at too. You keep looking in the wrong place. Oh, my basket of Sanders. Oh, are you getting this? Are you getting this? 
So the sacrifice is what Jesus, God is looking at. He's not looking at you. He's looking at your sacrifice. He's looking at your sacrifice. So every time you show up before God, you show up with a sacrifice in your mindset. So, so now, because there's no Jesus, so to speak, the sacrifice is not the consciousness of the believer. Are you seeing that? So you have the sacrifice in your consciousness. And that's why we study. That's why we, 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 we spend time in the Word. To see the cost and to see the work. Because I told you earlier, forgiveness of sin is who He is and what He did. Are you, are you getting blessed? Thank you very much. Put your hands together for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So 2 Corinthians 5, 9. So he says, he says, he's not counting their sins against them, but what? He is counseling them. And I showed you that the counseling is what's happening on the cross. Now he's saying, come again. I'm pastor's crossman. Be my crossman. Just put your hands like this. I won't, I, won't, I won't take your time. Glory to God. So you'll come back again for this. Ah. So the consolation is happening on the cross. Are you following? So whilst in the physical we see Jesus stretched out wide, in the spirit the cross is slanted because it's a symbol of counsel. So you can tilt the bed. X. Counsel. Sins counseled. Go back, go back. So the cross then is a symbol of consolation in the spirit because of the work that it's doing. But in the physical, we see that it's a cross, it's a plus sign, it's adding things to your life, but in the spirit, it's counseling things also. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? We're, we're, we're racing to a close. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, all my sins are forgiven. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 12 to 25, the Living Bible. I want us to read this. It's going to be a long, a long read. So, now, if the Jewish priests and their laws had been able to save us, why then did God need to send Christ as a priest with the rank of Melchizedek? Instead of sending someone with the rank of Aaron, the same rank of all other high priests had. Now, go down to 12. And when God sends a new kind of priest, his law must be changed to permit it. Now, I was talking to you about changing the law system. So what he's saying this is, if you're going to have a new priesthood, the system must change. So if the new priest shows up, there will be no longer animal sacrifices. Why? Because the priest who is coming is the sacrifice himself. Uh, you know how I told you that when, when Tochi was going to come, when Nelson was going to come before the high priest, he would come with his lamp. In the New Testament, God became the sacrifice for man. So, God, man is not bringing sacrifice. God became flesh and brought himself. Are you seeing that? God became flesh and brought himself. So what he did was this. He became flesh, brought himself, died, resurrected, accepted the sacrifice also. <laughs> Substitution. Now into everything. So that we will not have a part to play. 
are you seeing this why because man was making attempts religion is man's attempt to reach god christianity is god came for man are you seeing that are you seeing that so it says that there must be a change to permit it as we all know christ did not belong to the priest tribe of levi but came from the tribe of judah which had not been chosen for priesthood moses had never given them that work so there's a tribe called levi that's where priests came from jesus was meant to come from priesthood he didn't come from there he came from judah kingship are you seeing that he didn't come from that side he came from here why because if he had come from priesthood he would be following the pattern of moses So he had to change the system, change the everything changed. Because if he came through that system, he will have to abide by the rules of that system. Are you seeing that? So he came through Judah, which had not been chosen to preach priesthood. Moses had never given them that word. Go, go, go down, go down, go down. So we can plainly see that God's method changed for Christ. Are you seeing this? He said it's not working when you came to work for you. <laughs> the method will change for you. Are you seeing that? The method will change for you. We can clearly see this. God's method changed for Christ. The new high priest who came with the rank of Melchizedek, 16, did not become a priest by meeting the old requirements of belonging to the tribe of Levi, but on the basis of power flowing from a life that cannot end. Are you, it's Bible. I'm not going to be explaining anything. There's no time. Now move, 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 move. And the psalmist points this out when he says of Christ, you are a priest forever with the rank of Melchizedek. Go on, go on. Now, yes, the old system of priesthood based on family lines was cancelled because it didn't work. It was weak and useless for saving people. Are you seeing this now? Move, move, move. It never made anyone really light with God. But now we have a far better hope. <laughs> Glory! <laughs> we have a far better hope. For Christ makes us acceptable to God and now we may draw near to him. Notice, it doesn't say Christ brought up a new system. So when the old system was cancelled, Christ became the system. Yeah, that's the real power changer. It's not that thing they are doing. So power changed hand from an old law system to the new law system. So whilst that law is called the law of sin and death, this is called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that? Let's move, let's move. So God took an oath that Christ would always be a priest. Although he never said that of the other priests. Only to Christ he said, the Lord has sworn and will never change his mind. You are a priest forever. With the rank of Melchizedek. Go to the next verse. Because of God's oath, Christ can guarantee forever the success of this new and better covenant. Are you seeing that? Now, under the old agreement or arrangement, there had, there had to be many priests so that when the older ones die, the system could still be carried on by others who took their place. 24. But Jesus lives forever and continues to be a priest so that no one else is needed. No one else is needed. No one else is needed. So you see that sins are eternally forgiven because he lives eternally. <laughs> it's a statement of fact. So your sins are forgiven forever because the one who makes you forgiven, the sacrifice is forever. 
is not premised on your confession. It's premised on his longevity. If he lives forever, your sins are forgiven forever. You will see it in the next verse. See, 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 see. He is able to save completely all who come to God through him. Since he will live forever, he will always be there to remind God that he has paid for their sins with his blood. Come on now. They don't pay. They don't pay. Come on now. He's been paid for. He's been paid for. With his blood. Then Bilam, come on. Leave him, come on. He don't pay him. Shadabakaya. He says he lives forever. Hey. He will always be there. You see, because the old priest will not always be there. Then they die. But this one, no, they die. After, no, they die for fear. Come on. He died. And on the third day, he rose again. Up from the grave, he arose with a shout of victory. Who am I talking to? He's risen on your behalf. He's risen on your behalf. And he lives forever to remind God that he has paid. He lives forever. He lives forever to remind God. So even if God wants to forget, he cannot forget. Because the sacrifice stands in front of him. He's speaking. The blood is speaking. It's not flowing. <laughs> he lives forever to remind God. Listen, listen. Now, so when you read this, you think that God has amnesia. So Jesus is not reminding him. It's not that WhatsApp broadcast you read. That God wanted to blow trumpets. Jesus was not begging him. Say, please don't blow. You know I died for them. No, that's not how he reminds God. Because some of you, hey, condescender. Some of you think that when you get to heaven, you see three thrones. Jesus here, Holy Ghost here, and then God here. No, there's one throne. There's one throne. And that throne is the mercy seat. Hey. So, so the God who stepped out of God and became Christ is the one who stepped back into God. So he's not reminding God by telling him. He's reminding him by sitting down. Hear me, hear me. He's reminding him by sitting. Why? Because it is finished. That place is the mercy seat. Why? In the Old Testament, sir, in the Old Testament, when they killed the animal, they took the blood and put on the mercy seats. The throne of God is now the mercy seats. So when he ascended, he took his blood and went to the mercy seat in heaven and put it there. Now, the Tell me. So, so, he did not sprinkle his blood on the mercy seat. He sat down. Why? Because the life of a thing is in the blood. So he was the blood in person. So because he sits forever, you cannot be less forgiven. So he's sitting. Put that scripture up again. Since he will live forever, he will always be there. Hey. Why will he always be there? Because he'll be sitting forever. 
no one can unseat him. He cannot be impeached. <laughs> he sits forever. So the God who changed and became Christ, changed back and became God, says, I've finished my work on earth. Let me go back to my position. And then he sat down. He sat down and took his place. And on that place, the blood sits. And because the blood sits, your sins are forgiven forever. Even if you are asking or not, he's sitting. <laughs> and so you're, you're not asking cannot unseat him. It's his sitting that makes you forgiven. Who am I talking to? Your sins are forgiven you forever. Thank you, Jesus. Can I, can I, can I preach this? Can I preach this? Can I preach this? So what you find then is this, that the mercy seat is the place where judgment is now averted because there's a difference between mercy and grace. So mercy is that you were meant to be punished, but they shifted it and put it on somebody else. So Jesus becomes the punishment for your sins. So what you find therefore is this, that, oh my God, help me, help me, help me, help me. So when a man sins, there's punishment for his sins. And that's what you call jail term. So Jesus was not given parole. He served full time. Uh, so that you can go scot-free. Because if you served half time, the rest of it would be counted on you. So notice, notice, notice. So he became the punishment for sin. Now, whilst he became the punishment for sin, he didn't just, because if you have name of noisemakers and they are going to be flogged 12 strokes, what will happen is that I would tell this brother that I love so much, please, let me take your cane. So when he took the cane for him, Oh my God, Jesus. When he took the cane for him, he didn't just take the cane. Because if he took the cane without taking the sin, he will be caned and I will be caned too. That will be another dose. So, uh, give me that school bag. So, this is the bag of sin that I was carrying and Jesus shows up he didn't just take my punishment he took the back first so 2 Corinthians 5.21 now says he became sin he didn't do it he became so he took it and because he didn't do it to become it I don't have to do righteousness to become righteousness so so he took the school bag of sin first so that because there's something called the demand of justice the demand of justice is so just that he can't punish someone who is righteous so the only way they could punish him was to see the sin on him first because if they punished him without seeing the sin they will come back and punish me too so he took it on him and hung the bag and when he hung the bag of sin, then they could not punish him. And when they punish him, then I could walk scot-free. Then his righteousness became my righteousness. 
and his sins, my sins became his sins. And that was when he could no longer call him Father, Father, but God, God, why have you forsaken? So that I can cry, Abba, 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 Abba. So what you find then is this, in the payment for sin that he did, which is mercy, the mercy seat. Do you see now? He's, he's, he's not just giving mercy, he's both the act of mercy and mercy himself. And so the believer doesn't ask for mercy because he has received mercy. Jesus is the mercy of God. Are you hearing me? Jesus is the mercy of God. And so he carries the school bag. And when he's paying for sins, he's not just paying in time. Um, Nelson, come. So he's carrying the scene and his hands are stretched wide. Stretch your hands wide. And his hands are stretched wide. Notice, whilst this is the horizontal flow of God's love that we dispense, there's also something called the timeline of forgiveness. And in the timeline of forgiveness, we see that as he hung there and died, this line showed how forgiveness flowed. Um, so because forgiveness did not just flow down to humanity, it first of all flew back to eternity past. Uh, so that so that those who receive the token of forgiveness the promise of forgiveness can now get it because then he was saying to them your sins are forgiven but he hadn't died yet so when he stretched his hand wide he sent it back into the when he stretched this way he sent it to the future so the baby who will be born 10 years from now will get forgiveness he won't have to die again no, he died once and he stretched wide. The timeline of forgiveness, past and future. So when we say your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, he dealt with time, he dealt with the past, and dealt with the future. Can I announce to you your sins are forgiven? Because he stretched hung there. Are there forgiven people in this house? Can you lift your sound to Abba? And let me see how grateful you are. I have paid it all, I've paid it all, my share. There's nothing else to do, I've paid it all, yes. I send me la kunete, comrade, and the pongis from the Your sins are forgiven, oh. Shadeno kombia, sisomondes. Your sins are forgiven. The devil is a liar. And so he sits on the mercy seats. Romans 3, 25, TPT. And it says, Jesus, God's given destiny was to be the sacrifice to take away sins. And now he is our mercy seat. Father, we thank you. Father, we, God, we are grateful for Jesus. 
we're grateful for Jesus if you're grateful that your sins are forgiven one minute just say something just let him know that you are grateful Father we thank you Father we thank you put your hands together celebrate Jesus are there forgiven people in this house Thank you.